1: We are rolling through the program here, talking about the NFL draft. It is Christmas, and we are waiting to see what the presents underneath the tree are actually going to uh, have inside them. Beginning at about 8 o'clock Eastern, all of the wrap will come off, and we will find out who got the best presents, at least with the idea of projecting going forward. Uh, In the first hour, I gave you my final top ten. Trevor Lawrence... Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Trey Lance, Jalen Waddell, Justin Fields, JC Horn, and Patrick Sertain, that is my final top 10. I am intrigued by all the different moving parts here, and I would say the last bit of data we got at least on Wednesday. It's always possible that crazy things can happen throughout the course of today. But I'm trying to figure out, get into the mind of the Carolina Panthers and into the mind of the Denver Broncos and what would lead them to make the decision on the Wednesday before the draft for the Carolina Panthers to trade Teddy Bridgewater and for the Denver Broncos to make the decision to grab him. And to me, when you analyze this situation... Ultimately, it comes down to this. I think the Broncos are looking at all the teams above them, and certainly they are trying to find out through, uh, through as many different sources as they can who's talking to who, what draft picks might be being made, which teams are drafting which players. And I think what is going on is that there is some knowledge in Denver that both Justin Fields and Trey Lance are likely to be off the board by nine. And that Denver basically made the decision, we aren't willing to spend what it would take to move up higher into uh, the draft in order to get one of these two quarterbacks. And so when Carolina came to them and said, hey, we're sitting above you, we're at eight, we may go quarterback, we might not. We don't know what's going to be available to us, but we know that we don't want Teddy Bridgewater anymore. Do you want to bring in Teddy Bridgewater and give Drew Locke someone to compete with and potentially be able to find a better quarterback going forward than what you have right now without breaking the bank and trying to trade up and get Justin Fields or Trey Lance? I think Denver said, yes, we'll make that move. So, As a part of this move that I believe that Denver is making, they are effectively letting it be known that unless Justin Fields or Trey Lance falls to them, they won't be drafting a quarterback. And more importantly, I think they are sending a significant signal out there that they don't anticipate a quarterback being available to them at nine. So that is, to me, the rationale behind which the Broncos would have made the decision that they did to trade for Teddy Bridgewater. What does it tell us about the Carolina Panthers? Well, let's go into the Carolina Panthers mindset. They have made the move to go get a still young quarterback in Sam Darnold. Has had three years in the NFL. Awful situation with Adam Gase. The Jets have been a mess of a franchise. He's gotten sick. He's had injuries. He had mono. He hasn't been able to play. And he's still a young guy that probably Matt Rule feels like, is a reclamation project, maybe along the lines of Ryan Tannehill, who also had his own issues as a young quarterback with Adam Gase, finding the right rhythm and system to fit in Miami. He goes to the Titans, and Arthur Smith is there, puts in a new offensive system, and basically for the last two years, Ryan Tannehill has been one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the NFL. So that has to be what Matt Rule is thinking. He's got Joe Brady, really smart offensive mind. He believes Joe Brady and Matt Rule probably that there is something that there is a uh, that there is a reclamation project to be had in Sam Darnold. Now, Carolina in trading Teddy Bridgewater can be seen as doing one of two things, however. Either They are moving on from Teddy Bridgewater because they are 100% certain that he has nothing left that they can gain from in Carolina, which is probably true. And they want to clean off any of the competition in Carolina and let it be known that Sam Darnold is their guy going forward. That's one option. Or they moved on from Teddy Bridgewater the day before the draft because they are looking above them and they are thinking, wait a minute, we're going to have the option to get Justin Fields or we're going to have the option to get Trey Lance. We have a young quarterback in Sam Darnold. We believe he can be good, but we would rather treat the Carolina Panthers a little bit like a college football team, bring in two really good quarterbacks and figure that if we have two really good quarterbacks, chances are we can have one who is able to play at a high level. So thinking about the draft... The question is, what are the Carolina Panthers doing? It's easier to me to analyze what the Broncos are doing because I think they're saying we're not willing to trade up for Justin Fields or Trey Lance. We don't think the price is worth it. We also don't think they're still going to be available to us later in the draft. And so we are going to go ahead and bring in Teddy Bridgewater. We're basically going to punt on trying to make an aggressive move this season. We'll hope that Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater are good enough for us to compete in the AFC West. Spoiler alert, I don't think that they are, Uh, especially not when you're having to play against the Kansas City Chiefs twice a year and when you're having to play against Justin Herbert, who probably is going to be a lot better with a new coaching staff in year two. I think the AFC West is going to be really, really difficult going forward, and I don't think Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater puts the Broncos in a position where they're able to compete with the top echelon of the AFC West. Remains to be seen exactly how all of that is going to shake out, but I think that is the decision that is being made uh, by those teams, uh, and so we'll have to see what exactly is going on, but I think that's where the Broncos are. More challenging, like I said, for the Carolina Panthers. You might be saying, why does this matter? Well, because it kind of gets interesting, right? Because... The Carolina Panthers, if they are sticking with Sam Darnold, are also letting it be known, hey, we're willing to trade out of our spot at number eight. Because if you look at the draft, and I just ran through my mock draft, if you presume Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones go one, two, three, and then the Atlanta Falcons draft Kyle Pitts at four, and Jamar Chase seems likely to go at five overall to the Cincinnati Bengals, I came up with what I think is a really intriguing idea, the Dolphins trading out, the Steelers coming up. But there are a bunch of teams there that are going to be waving their hand and going to be answering the phone and being like, hey, we feel pretty good about how the first five picks are going to go. Do you want to try to get up? The Dolphins can be saying to six to get one of your quarterbacks. Same thing can be said, by the way, of the Lions, who it wouldn't stun me if they traded out. And the Panthers could be looking there as well and saying, hey, we're interested 6, 7, and 8. These picks are for sale. We think that somebody is going to be willing to buy to come up. So I think this is a really intriguing part of the draft. The draft may well start at 6, 7, and 8 more so than it does at 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 if this draft is going to go Exactly like I am anticipating it, which it seems like based on the betting markets, there's a pretty good sign of. All right. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Jeff Schwartz, or breaking down everything in the world of the NFL draft and how all of that will shake out. This is Outkick,
2: the coverage with Clay Travis.
0: .com/sports com the way tire buying should be.
1: We bring in Jeff Shorts. You can follow him on Twitter at jeff shorts He is a former NFL offensive lineman. He has a brand new television program, I think. I think it's on TV. I can barely keep up with anything. I know I've seen it on digital clips. Uh what are you working on right now, Shorts?
3: Yeah, so it was on TV. It debuted on Tuesday uh, Big Boys Club Draft Academy. Um, And so originally it was a, you know, it's a Gruden-style quarterback camp, but for offensive linemen, right? So we took the five offensive linemen, the top two tackles. Uh, Trey Smith is probably a second-round guard. Quinn Miner is a D3 kid who's worked himself up into day two, and then uh, Creed Humphrey's Oklahoma center, the multiple-time All-American. And um, the original plan was just for digital. It was going to be just for digital, you know, 20, 30 minutes an episode. Um, and ended up getting FS1. So, we, you know, we kind of pared things down. We did a lot of storytelling on FS1. And then digitally, we're going to put out, like, the full whiteboard talk, the full X and O's uh, for all these guys. It's just hard to fit all that in. And, you know, we did this. I, not we. I, I just filmed it. But the editing crew, I mean, they did this in a month. Like, we had hours and hours and hours of footage and they managed to get this done in a month um they did a heck of a job and so uh yeah it's a it's a new series and i'm hoping that we do it next year i think there's a lot of thirst for the offensive line position
1: all right so let's talk about the guys that you talked to that you got to know a little bit um what stood out to you about the two tackles that everybody is expecting to go uh, in the first round how would you break down their games and what were they like as individuals
3: well, Padet Stuhl, the kid from Oregon, um, who I've known for a while now, obviously being an Oregon alum, um, he, he's the best. And what makes him unique, I think, is his background. He grew up in, in American Samoa, and um, he grew up, you know, I think like like a lot doing Samoa, you know, comfortable life for him at the time that, you know, he, he thought it was comfortable. And, and um, you know, I, I asked him, he moved to six, he was 12, what was, like, one luxury item that that – we as Americans at the you know at the time take for granted that you didn't view as a luxury. He said a bed. He didn't oh, have wow. a bed clay until he was twelve years old. They slept on the floor, all t- all ten people in his family slept on the floor in their one bedroom shack in Samoa. So when you hear a guy talk about football like that, and he talked about football as be- basically, you know, kind of like, you know, not saving his family, but allowing his family some flexibility in life and that, you know, no one's gonna take football away from him no one's gonna on the field no one's gonna going to going to you know keep him from his dream of playing in the nfl um and you hear guy talk like that like you know it's it's deep down right it, it's really deep down and so that was exciting to hear him talk about that. And then Rashawn Slater, the kid from Northwestern. Man, his Dad played in the NBA for eight years. He has like a lot to he a lot to live up to. Um, and he's so cerebral. He's so bright. Uh, he's the most polished uh, pass protector uh, in the draft as of now for, for any for any offensive lineman. So it was a lot of fun to, to, to talk to those two guys. And um, you know, and Panay by the way, it's only twenty years old. He'll be drafted. Imagine being drafted and playing in the NFL at twenty years old.
1: All right, let's go to both of those guys for a sec because it seems that the earliest one of them could go would be five, potentially to the Bengals. And that's one of the picks we've been at talking about, you know, for a while now. What's Cincinnati going to do? What do you think Cincinnati should do? And what do you think they are going to do? Because there seems to be a lot of momentum for Jamar Chase at wide receiver as opposed to Panay Sewell or Slater here. Um, How would you break that down?
3: Well, they should. They should draft so, but they're they're not. They're going to draft Jamar Chase. Um, and you know, the the I guess the theory behind that idea is that you know it's a very deep offensive line class, which I don't disagree with. But um, I would secure the offensive lineman that you like first, because we've seen that you know that historically those guys at the top of the draft tend to pan a little bit better than do the wide receivers at the top of the draft. And you have an opportunity to secure Panay, but their thinking is, hey, we can you know, draft a, a kid, Alex Leatherwood or Kosami or, or Eschenberg. I mean, someone else in, 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 with pick 38. And, I, again, I wouldn't do that. I, I would drop the offensive lineman first, um, but they're not going to do it. They're going to draft Jamar Chase. Um, Joe Burrow is probably asking for Jamar Chase, uh, and that's what they're going to do. Again, the, the best teams in the NFL – all have great offensive
1: lines we're talking to jeff shorts uh you can follow him on twitter at jeff shorts all right tell me about the other guys because there's a lot of different stories uh trey smith coming back from a uh a blood clotting issue which is uh which threatened his ability to play uh like you said the oklahoma center and then a d3 player that seems like he's uh, got a heck of a story behind him too
3: you would love the Queen Miners, the the kid uh, from uh, Wisconsin called Whitewater man. He yeah, he had he had to pay to go play football. Like these three, they don't they can't afford. Yeah, there's games. no scholarships. Had, yeah, yeah. So he had to pay. Well, not even that. He had to pay to play football specifically because they can't afford to feed the team during training camp. Oh wow, he had to pay money. Yeah, and like yeah, and th- they won the conference championship, and he had to pay money for a conference championship shirt. Oh, wow. Like they, they, they just didn't give him shirts. You can go to the NFL and get whatever you want. Um, and you mentioned Trey Smith, and who obviously you've known for a while now. It's really tough to come in to a program. In, in not only was number one lineman in the country, he was the number one player in the country, right, in 2017, I believe. Um, and that's a lot of pressure. And he plays a true freshman. He plays a true sophomore that had the blood clots. And you know, his mom passed away when he was 15. And so he had a lot of adversity in his life. And, and the way he's battled through that – He's been great in the Knoxville community as well. Uh, he's a great leader on that team. He's very fun to root for. He's also like he's a cowboy man. He a cowboy and He hunts. He fishes. He plays video games. He's like a very well-rounded individual. So it was a lot of fun to talk to Trey. Very mature man. And I, he is a good player. Uh, Tennessee had a, is, is lucky to have him. And the last one's Creed Humphreys, the center from Oklahoma. Um, I mean, how many guys get to block for? from baker mayfield tyler murray and jalen hurts in the time in oklahoma like that's pretty yeah. impressive to be in charge of an offense that's been that good for so many years and dad was a wrestling champion as well so there's a lot of there's a lot of family ties here with with a lot of success in their families
1: we're talking to jeff Schwartz. all right let's go back into uh the top of the draft where all of the drama has been we know what's going to happen at one and two what do you think the 49ers will do what do you think they should do with their pick
3: um, I think they should draft anyone but Mac Jones, uh, and I, I don't think they will. So it's really interesting. I never thought they would draft Mac Jones, anyways. But the one name they haven't talked about at all is Justin Fields, and we, you know, we you follow draft long enough, so have I. But the guy you kind of don't talk about is the guy you end up drafting for whatever reason, like you're just afraid to talk about that guy because maybe the Jets want to draft Fields, and, and, and this will convince them that you you don't like him, so they'll take Zach Wilson instead. The only guy that hasn't been linked to him is Fields. And a lot of times teams don't talk about the guy they're going to draft. We hear this all the time when a player gets drafted and they say, hey, how he did hey, you know, you know the, the, the Tennessee Titans wanted you? They're like, oh, we didn't talk at all. They, they, they didn't come to my pro day. We didn't talk. like." And, and to me... They were so afraid. Field, it's, it's an interesting angle.
1: It's it's like uh, espionage. They're so afraid that if they let it be known how much they like a guy, that it could make another team go back and reassess, yeah. and then they end up taking exactly. him instead. Yeah.
3: Especially if it's Kyle Shanahan, right? A guy who's a legendary offensive mind. If he likes Justin Fields, the Jets are probably thinking to themselves, well, if he likes him, what are we missing with Fields, right? Why would he want Fields and not Dak Wilson? Um, and, and also, this week it's been very interesting because the Niners have like forcefully come out and talked about their quarterback position and they talked about how they wanted one guy and now they're okay with all five guys. So I do wonder if even maybe if they did like Mac Jones, if there was a medical issue or something came up that changed their mind, because it does not make sense for them to not know who they're going to draft this late. And to even talk about it makes no sense to it. Why would you say, oh, you know, we, we'll we be okay with anyone that we get. Like, it just, it, there's some vibes I don't quite get from them. Um, and I, I, it's a, it's very odd, man. I, I don't, I don't remember team trading up to this position and then just being like, uh, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't really know what we're doing. It's just, it's a very odd situation. Um, I got a text from a source that said they should have waited um, until, until physicals to make this trade I, I try to press him on that i don't know what that means we, and there's no medical issues uh so outside justin fields with the epilepsy which doesn't be an issue i don't know i'm, I'm curious what happens and it's going to be wild tonight we're
1: talking to jeff Schwartz uh, about the nfl draft obviously there's a lot of different moving parts uh and and one of the things that's fun is like i always compare it to if you're playing blackjack and somebody takes a card that they shouldn't at the table it sets off the whole table into uh into an uproar like let's say the dealer uh is uh let's say the dealer is showing a uh, a 6 right like you should definitely yeah. not hit but somebody at the table hits and then it just kind of sets off a cascade of reactions that otherwise wouldn't have occurred right um and so uh so is there somebody out there that you could see Making a move that changes everything, and and I'll give you an example. Um, if, for instance, uh, you had uh, you have the Atlanta Falcons sitting at four, and we expect that they would take Kyle Pitts, but somebody suddenly comes running up to try to grab one of these quarterbacks because right now, as your point on uh, Justin Fields, it seems right now the odds markets are telling us, at least from a gambling perspective that it is more likely that Trey Lance goes in front of Justin Fields. But as you said, if the 49ers suddenly took Justin Fields uh, or didn't take him or Trey Lance they took or whatever else, like everything else kind of falls apart behind that, right? So who's a player or a team that you look at and you say, man, I think they could really make a move that's unexpected that kind of reconfigures the entire draft board?
3: Well, I mean, it suggests taking Justin Fields at two. I mean, which just seems very unlikely, but that's that's the one that would set everything off in a, in a spiral, which I don't think is going to happen. Atlanta is really fascinating because there are teams that want Kyle Pitts, and yeah. I don't think gonna, I don't think Atlanta will take a deal to move out of that spot. They want Kyle Pitts, they'll, they'll, they'll just draft him, and once you get past, you know. there's always a quarterback that seems to free-for-all. And if it is Justin Fields, it's not not Chris Sims, it's not going 32nd to Tampa Bay. It's once you kind of clear four, and you look at the Bengals don't need a quarterback, the Dolphins don't need a quarterback, maybe the Lions do, the Panthers maybe, maybe not, and the Broncos. Someone, you know, Washington or even maybe a Pittsburgh or maybe a, a, a New England, like someone might trade up to five or six or seven to get Justin Fields if he does drop I I just I don't quite get it Clay. like we look at Fields and I don't know why we've decided he's the one that's not any good I, I you watch his film you watch him play Clemson you watch how tough he was he played a big boy offense and he entered this process as the second quarterback now all of a sudden you you know, imagine if he played in at BYU he would put up Zach Wilson numbers like I I just I don't quite understand why we're down just unless of course unless there is something with the interview process or there's another medical issue or you know ryan day doesn't like him i mean i, I there could be all these other things that happen behind the scenes to push it down but i just don't see it based off his of film I,
1: I i watched him play every game this year for ohio state and you're right about the game that he put forward against clemson it was as good as anybody could possibly play But there were several games where he didn't look anywhere near as good as a junior as he looked as a sophomore to me. Now, this goes into how do you assess a COVID year in general, right? Because Ohio State didn't get a lot of practice. Uh, They didn't play enough games to really kind of hit their stride, it didn't seem like to me. Uh, you didn't know who you were going to play sometimes, right? Like you got COVID testing going on everywhere. uh, And the big 10 just, you know, totally boggling, uh, bungling that process for a long time and not knowing. I mean, same thing, by the way, in the PAC 12, uh, I think Panay Sewell, for instance, could be being hurt because he decided to sit out. And even if he had played the PAC 12 season, they didn't play enough games. I wonder if that makes it harder to assess and there's just some uh, in, in fields in particular. Like I can go to three of the games probably that he played last year, Jeff, and just look at it yeah. and say, man, they did not play well offensively. I mean, an easy one is Indiana. He got outplayed uh, by Indiana's uh, quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Penix uh, played,
3: yeah, played well.
1: Penix played yeah. way better than he did. And um, I, I don't know. I I, th- I wonder. We t- we've talked about this some. Um, we we haven't heard the, com, uh, the concept of a system quarterback be discussed in a long time. But I think you could say that about Mac Jones because of how good Sark's offense was and how much talent there was on Alabama. And then Tua comes into the league and, and didn't set the world on fire. I think it's fair to say as a rookie. And I think you could say the same thing about Ryan Day in Ohio State. And because of Dwayne Haskins and what happened there, he comes in in his second year, and he's already done with Washington. So there's a system quarterback argument that could be made about Alabama and Ohio State.
3: Yeah, I mean, I get that, and I get the inclination to do that. You know, but we've had had some trend breakers, right? I mean, Pat Mahomes at Texas Tech kind of broke that trend. I, I don't Verber think we, have, Oregon, we don't right? hear
1: we don't hear the system quarterback pejorative anymore, right? That was something that I think really got yeah. tossed around a lot in maybe the the late, you know, the, basically from like yeah, the late what, '90s and, up to the mid yeah, 2000s or so.
3: And I think it's because the position is is changing, right? Where yeah. we're, we don't we don't even we almost don't even we like the college film but we project the traits into the NFL. So I'll give you a lot of examples here. So, you know, Matt Jones and Amina Kimes, ESPN does a great job. She had a great tweet about this. She said, give me a comp for Matt Jones in the last five years that worked in the NFL. Because what we're seeing now is that the traits guys, right? The big arm guys, the big, strong guys, the, you know, the mobile quarterbacks. look, Herbert Allen, Lamar Jackson, Mahomes. Tyler Murray, right? These traits quarterbacks. These, these. Tyler Murray's not big. But he's got a big arm. These big trait guys. You know, maybe their film wasn't perfect in college, but you get him in NFL offense. You, you, you get him with a good OC, and boom, they clicked. You know, Mac Jones ten years ago, to your point Clay, was the number one pick, right? A solid pocket quarterback. You trusted him. He played a pro-style offense in college. He's able to come in right now and play. Um, and he'd be number one pick, and no one would talk about it. It'd be boom, done, right? Trevor Lawrence, he's too tall. No, you know, no tall quarterbacks win the NFL. I don't know. He runs too much. Is he going to stay healthy? Like all, you know, all those questions would have happened for, for what? Zach Wilson, too small, runs too much makes too many throws off platform. And, and now that's what we want in quarterbacks. We want the traits guys. We want the guys that, that you can come in the NFL and say, Hey, you have all these tools. Let's refine them. Mac Jones kind of is who is. And that's why I think Shanahan is not going to draft him. I don't understand trading up to you know, your, your next two first round picks for a guy who's the lowest trait quarterback of these, of these five guys. Now, yes, he's very bright. He, he knows we're going with the ball. But I can argue that offense kind of makes it easy for everyone to know where you're going well, the ball. Well, and here's
1: here's the argument I've been making, Jeff, and I'm curious about this. If he drafts Mac Jones, this is Kyle Shanahan drafting Kyle Shanahan. And let me explain yes. what I mean by that. He's so frustrated, I think, right now. He feels like he has a Super Bowl team. And Jimmy Garoppolo can't make the throw that needs to be thrown at the right time to win a game right you go to the Super Bowl you were there your brother was playing in the game he's got George Kittle open on a third down play he's the lead receiver on that play he misses him he's got Emmanuel Sanders for the touchdown that would be basically the walk-off in the Super Bowl he misses him those are and I don't sit around and watch X's and O's anywhere near like you do Jeff but I can just see the frustration in Shanahan where he's like hey We've built a team that can win a Super Bowl. What we need to do is just have a guy who can execute the offense, who's going to make the right read because my offense is that good. And I think if you look at the available quarterbacks right now, Justin Fields and Trey Lance have more in common with Jimmy Garoppolo than they do with Mac Jones. And I think this is like the when you break up with one girlfriend or one boyfriend, you go in the opposite direction. I think that what has happened with Kyle Shanahan is if he's drafting Mac Jones, he's gotten so frustrated with the decision-making and the failure to see the field well at the time that they need to with Jimmy Garoppolo that he's going with the one guy that he feels certain is never going to miss George Kittle on third down when he's the lead option to extend the drive.
3: Well, you, you are exactly correct with that thought process, right? He's basically choosing scheme over player. And, right. and and you're right in the Super Bowl you could easily make the argument that Kyle Shanahan's offense got the guys open and Jimmy did not execute, right? So Shanahan looks in the mirror and says, it's not my fault. It's not right. my fault. It's Jimmy's fault. And I told you this. We talked about this. Yes. I think that day Jimmy was never a niner again. Like as soon as they were getting off of him, they're getting off of him. And and I was up so and just Mac Jones maybe he makes those throws mm-hmm. But, like, Justin Fields probably makes that throw. We see him make that throw all the time, the, you know, a deep, deep pass over the middle of field to Emmanuel Sanders. Like, Fields can, make, and Fields can also run away. Trey Lance can make those throws and run away from him. I get like, it, that, but my thought is
1: Kyle Shanahan is just so enamored with Kyle Shanahan's offense oh, of that he wants the guy that is going to be yeah, they all 100% to be. the most likely to just execute his offense. And I think he sees I, yeah. Mac Jones as that guy. If that's the pick, that's why.
0: Now, the question I, I, really I have, and
1: I think this is a good one, did he think, Kyle Shanahan, that there were other teams that loved Mac Jones? Because you were talking about how so much of this is uh, subter- subterfuge and espionage and, you know, who's talking and what stories are out there. Who was he afraid of also trading up to go get the quarterback that he wants, whoever it is? Because the one thing I don't believe is, is I don't believe Kyle Shanahan when he says, hey, we like all five quarterbacks, like we're fine. You gave up so much to get to three. You had right. to know, uh, hey, we love somebody who we want to take at three. And I will say this, like some people are going to criticize if it's Mac Jones. If you, it doesn't matter what you give up. If you get a quarterback who plays for you for the next 12 or 14 years, it's worth there's it. literally no cost you can give that's too Correct. much if you're right about the right quarterback.
3: I am all for the idea of trading up to get your, your franchise quarterback. I, again, I just don't think it's Mac Jones. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I like the thought. I like the thought process here. Um, I think maybe he thought New England would trade up for him. I, I don't really know who he was if, afraid
1: if of. In, falls, in other words, yeah,
3: if, yeah. If, if Mac Jones falls past three, who's drafting him?
1: That's what like, I'm saying.
3: No one's trading. No one's trading up for him. So it's like unless Kyle Shanahan
1: had some intel and maybe the New England Patriots absolutely love Mac Jones. And he got to thinking, "Hey, the Patriots are going to move up to five, or they're going to move up to four, and they're going to yeah. grab him." Uh, I, that's the only thing I can think. And, and obviously, yeah. we we are all operating under imperfect information because it's it's like a you know poker game where you yeah. can't see the. It's not like you get to sit and look at exactly. everybody's cards and figure out exactly what they're going to do. Uh, Jeff, yeah. enjoy the uh, draft. I'm glad that it's finally here. Thank I'm you. sure we'll talk to you next week and uh, have yep. fun doing. You're doing Fox Digital stuff out in L.A. right?
3: Yep, uh, yeah, we have a, a draft show tonight, so
2: check it out. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis.
0: Hey, I'm John Middlecoff, and I host the Three and Out podcast. Do you like football? Do you like the NFL? Do you like the NFL draft? Quarterbacks, coaches? Well, I talk about it all on the show. I used to work for Andy Reid as a scout. Now I give you my unfiltered and raw opinions on everything that goes on in the NFL. And you know we're talking college football because of how important the draft is year-round. Listen to the 3 and Out podcast with me, John Middlecom, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dot com slash sports tire the way tire buying should be
1: this is the final segment before the fifth annual outkick listener mock draft okay just going to give you a little bit of this in advance I want you guys to honor your families to honor your states to honor your cities to honor your schools to honor your teams if you do that It will mean that you don't sound like the debacle that happened in the last outkick mock draft that we did back in, I believe it was 2020. Let's play the audio, unfortunately. All right, up next, Jacksonville Jaguars. Dub, who you got?
2: Bubba in North Carolina.
1: Bubba in North Carolina. Who are you taking for the Jags? I swear to God, this is not complicated.
2: Bubba just dropped. Let's move on to Antonio in Virginia.
1: Antonio in Virginia. Who you got with the Jags?
3: Rashawn Gary.
1: Defense. Rashawn Gary. Where is Rashawn Gary uh, projected? Is this a solid pick or a bit of a reach there at seven? Thanks for the call.
2: That is a little bit of a reach. He is projected at the bottom of the first round. Is
1: that is there a consensus here?
2: Yeah,
0: he's, like, bottom of the uh, first round. Yeah, yeah. so Reach. thanks
1: a lot. Thanks a lot for whoever drafted their Seven overall for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Taking a flyer and potentially throwing our mock draft into chaos. <laughs> Receiver going our draft yet. Seahawks are up next. Who we got?
2: We got Brian in Gainesville.
1: Brian in Gainesville. You're drafting for the Seahawks. Who you got?
0: Rashawn Gary, defensive end. Uh-huh. Michigan.
1: Yeah. All right. You've embarrassed the city of Gainesville.
2: Well... On the on the bright side, Clay, this is where Gary was actually projected yeah, to go. Yeah, we
1: had uh, Rashawn Gary's dad called in and took <laughs> him number seven overall earlier in the draft. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks are picking Gainesville, Florida, as they often do, lets down everyone. Okay, you don't want that to be you. I want us to be flawless, and that includes everyone on the show. So let me give you a roadmap of how this is going to go. We're going to take two free spaces here. Okay, Trevor Lawrence is a guaranteed win for us, right? It's like bingo in the center, the free space. We are getting Trevor Lawrence. And by the way, it's a free win for you right now as well. If you bet $5 at fanduel.com slash clay, you get a 20 to 1 payout on that $5 bet. A $5 bet turns into $100, 20 to 1 All you have to do to get a 100 free dollars is go to Fanduel.com slash Clay. You got a friend out there, family member, someone who hasn't signed up. It needs to be a new user. Fanduel.com slash Clay. Tons of different states where this is available right now. Go sign up now and get your free $100. So that's a free space for us. We got Trevor Lawrence, first spot. Second spot, Zach Wilson two free wins, then I am going to be drafting in the third spot. Danny G is drafting in the fourth spot. In the fifth spot, Dub will be drafting. Sixth spot, we will have uh, Eddie Garcia. And then in the seventh spot, we will have drafting Roberto, okay? Then the first listener who will be up We'll be drafting on behalf of the Panthers at 8, closely followed by the Broncos at 9, and the Cowboys at 10. Our goal with this mock draft is to get as many right as we possibly can. I believe 7 out of 32 is the best we've ever done. Now, I think we know the first five picks in this draft. I think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase I think those are going to be the first five picks I hope our crew does not screw this up I'm letting you know right now I'm taking Mac Jones at three somebody and by somebody I mean you Danny G you better not screw this up you better take Kyle Pitts for the Falcons and then dub don't screw this up the Bengals seem like they're going to take Jamar Chase so that is where we are headed. This is going to be a lot of fun. 877-996-6369 is our phone number. You can load up the lines right now for Dub. I'll go to you. I'll say the team and the spot. We want you to do your research. We want you to draft well. We want you to wave the banner of OutKick high and have as successful as an OutKick listener draft as we can. 877 877- 996-6369. Load up the phones. We'll be coming to you shortly. we got a ton of picks to make. Final hour of the show. The final mock draft of OutKick. This is OutKick on Fox Sports Radio.
2: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. oh, oh. If you dare. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission?